0: You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. Lord God, we do believe that you love us and that you are for us and that you want us to experience the best life possible, not just in eternity, but here and now. And I pray that you would help us move in a direction that would allow us to experience an abundant life here and now. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now, last week I shared with you about a a season I went through when I was struggling to hear anything from God. Uh, And when I talk about hearing from God, I've never heard God speak to me out loud, like audibly, but God does speak to me through words and impressions and pictures that are confirmed by scripture. But I went through this season where I just like, I couldn't hear anything. And so I spent a day praying and fasting and seeking God and just asking God to speak to me just anything. And that night, (laughs) I was awakened at 3.30 in the morning because in my dream, I saw a word. And this word just, it seemed so significant. It It was unusual, too, because the word was spelled out with light bulbs like a Broadway show marquee. And the word that I saw was this, revive, revive. And so I mulled that over for a little bit, went back to bed. The next morning, I got up, and as is my habit, I had a time of scripture reading in the morning before I began my day. And it just so happened that I was reading from the prophet Isaiah. And in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 27, I came across this verse that I felt like confirmed that that word that I had seen came from God. That scripture says this, Jerusalem will be restored by justice. The repentant will be revived by righteousness. And there was that word again, revive. And I sensed that God was saying something to me that I needed to be revived. And I think God was speaking to me because there was an area in my life where I was tolerating a sin. I was doing the wrong thing. I had like a closet in my heart that I was trying to hide from God. And God was speaking to me that if I would repent, if I would turn from that sin, he would revive my heart. And I think I I realized that God had been speaking to me about this area of my life for quite a while. But what I've noticed is when God speaks to you, when he convicts you about something and you don't listen, sometimes he just becomes silent. He stops speaking. And that's what had happened. But when I turned, when I repented from that sin and I turned toward God, he revived my heart. And I shared that story with you last week, but I share it again in case you weren't here. But what I did not do was apologize. Now, two years ago, when, when this all happened, uh, I was uh, pastoring at our West Campus, and I did confess my sin to that campus, and they were very gracious to me and forgave me. But what I did not do was apologize to you. Um, and let me tell you why I feel like I need to apologize to you, because you may not know me personally, but I am an elder, and I am a leader of City Church. And when I'm not listening to God, I cannot be the pastor nor the leader you need me to be. And so I do ask for your forgiveness, and I ask that you join me on this journey to experience a revived life, because I believe God is saying something to us as a church about revive, because we can all come into seasons where we need reviving, where, where we feel empty or stagnant or like stuck in a negative funk. And we need something, someone to help us get out of it. And maybe you're like where I was a few years ago where you just feel like the lines of communication are cut off between you and God. And you know you need to be revived. And you know that you can't be the spouse you need to be the way you are. You know you can't be the parent you need to be the way you are. You know you can't be the friend you need to be the way you are. Your family needs you to pursue the revived life. Your friends and coworkers need you to pursue the revived life, and in your heart, you want a revived life. And so I want us to look again at what the scripture says about how God revives people. And I want to begin with a little review uh, regarding what we looked at last week. So last week, we noticed that the, the Hebrew word translated revive literally means to recover or to renew life. And we said that the revived life does not mean the absence of hardships or challenges or pain in life, but what it does mean is a renewed experience of God's presence in a powerful way that gives us this sense of peace and joy that is unrelated to our circumstances. So in one scene from the Old Testament of the Bible, God appeared to the Israelites and he told them how he revives people. So let me, let me set up the scene. For centuries, the people of Israel worshiped God in this traveling tent that's called the tabernacle. And in the tabernacle, God manifested his presence in a powerful way. Literally in Hebrew, he manifested his face, his face. And we're going to talk about what that means in a moment. And there, the, many of the Israelite leaders led the people to worship God and to seek his face. Leaders like Moses and King David. And over time, God gave King David's son Solomon permission to build him a permanent place of worship called the temple. And the temple became a gathering place where all people could seek God's face. And when King Solomon finished constructing the temple, the scriptures say that God's presence filled that temple. His face was there and then God made this profound promise. This is Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. And God is speaking, and he said, If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. What a powerful promise. And in the last part of this verse, God describes the revived life. Did you you see it? The revived life happens when God hears our prayers, when he forgives our sins, and when he heals our land. You see, when God hears your prayers, I mean, do you want him to hear your prayers? When God hears your prayers, your life gets better. When God forgives your sins, your life gets better. And when God heals your land, when he heals your marriages, when he heals your families, when he heals our communities, and when he heals our finances, guess what? Our lives get better. We need the revived life. A revived life is a better life. But notice, in this powerful promise, there's God's part in the revived process, and then there's our part in the revive process. God's part is pretty simple. He says he will hear our prayers, forgive our sins, and heal our land. So what's our part? Let's go back to that scripture. He said, if my people will turn from their wicked ways. So there's that word again. Those of you who were here last week, we talked about turning. Repentance is a, re- a turning that revives. Repentance occurs when we turn from sins. That muddy our lives, and somewhere along the way, you're going to have to wrestle with what sins are all about. Sins are not just some random list of commands that an angry old God just pulled out of the air to make our lives miserable. Sins are those attitudes and actions that hurt our relationship with God, hurt our relationships with others, and steal our joy. At some point in your life, you have to decide. If God is for you, when he asks you to obey his commands. Because if there's some sin that you have in your life, and you're holding on to it because you like it, it is that sin that will keep you from being revived. But if you will turn, if you will turn from your wicked ways, that's what you turn from, God will hear your prayers, he will forgive your sins, and he will heal your land. So that's what we turn from. What do we turn toward? Let's go back to the verse. He said, this is God speaking, if my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. So here God calls us to turn from our sins and to his face, to seek his face. Well, so what does that mean? I mean, what does it mean to seek his face, right? So when I think about seeking someone's face, I remember the first time I asked a girl to go steady with me. Now, if you don't know what that means, I mean, I, you know, I was, I was in middle school in the 1970s, and back, way back then, if you liked a girl and you wanted her to be your girlfriend and tell all the guys to keep their grubby hands off, you asked her to go steady with you. I don't know what kids call it today, but that's what we called it way back then. Anyways, so I'm in the sixth grade at Patton F. Middle School, and I like this girl named Kathy. And you know how things go in middle school. I had some different people like find out, does she like me too? And I found out she liked me too. And so I decided I wanted to go steady with Kathy. But, you know, I'm I'm sorry. You know, you're sixth grade, man. I was a little bit insecure. So I wanted to make sure she would say yes if I asked her. And so I had her best friend Allison go and ask Kathy, you know, if she would say yes. And she came back and told me. Because, you know, I wanted a sure thing. I'm one of those guys. I want a sure thing. And, And not in the way you're thinking about it. Come on now, I'm a pastor. I just wanted to know that she would say yes if I asked her to go steady. So anyway, she, she told me, yeah, she would say yes. And so, so I was still so nervous. I was so insecure, and I, I couldn't ask her. So I talked Allison into asking Kathy to go steady with me for me. <laughs> so picture this scene. I'm in front, I know it's terrible. I'm in front of Kathy's locker. And her best friend, Allison, is standing there with me, and Allison asked Kathy to go steady with me. And here's the crazy part. She said yes. It's a wonder I ever got married, right? I mean, come on. But when I recall that extremely awkward conversation, you know what I remember? I didn't look Kathy in the face. And I think the whole concept of seeking God's face reminds us that our relationship with God, it's complicated, and at times it can feel awkward. I mean, he's a spirit being, right? Now, How did it get that way? Why is it sort of weird? Well, in the beginning, according to the book of Genesis, it was not that way. The scriptures tell us that at that point, God spoke and related openly with Adam and Eve, with the first people. But when sin entered the picture, the scriptures tell us, this is Genesis chapter four, that God's face, his presence left the earth. And from that point forward, men began to seek his face. They had to seek him to have a relationship with him. And so that's where we get the whole concept of seeking his face. So people sought God's face, To open up that relationship with Him. Now, in biblical times, seeking someone's face, it was a figurative way of saying that you had an open and authentic relationship. To seek someone's face meant you were were in an honest relationship, a conversational relationship where you could be totally open. And here's the cool thing. Don't miss this part of the promise. God wants that kind of relationship with you. No matter what you've done, No matter how far away from God you think you have been, God wants an open, intimate relationship with you. And you can have it. You can have it. And according to the promise, and this is spoken by God, prayer is a key part of seeking his face. And if we will turn from sin and seek God's face, he promises to revive our lives. And I think this kind of praying and seeking God's face is critical for us as a church. And here's why I believe that. 25 years ago, when this whole church movement began, we were not called City Church. Does anybody know the name this church was at the very beginning in 1992? BRCC, Bandera Road Community Church. But here's what's interesting. Those of you who know that, back in 1992, this is the 25th anniversary of this church. Back in 1992, when this church began, we received a prophetic word from another believer in our city. And what's interesting is, back in 1992, this, this word came from a believer who went to city church. And over the years, we've seen so many aspects of this prophetic word come true in our church. And a part of this prophetic word was about prayer. And this is what it said. Encourage the sheep I have given you to pray. Prayer is the answer to the problems you will encounter. If you will become a praying church, you will see me move mightily. I have plans for this city and this body. Folks, the revived life happens when God moves mightily among us. The revived life happens when God fulfills his plans for this city and for this body. And so I will do everything in my power to work with Doug and your great staff to see that we become a praying church. And that means becoming a people who seek God's face. But let's be honest. Seeking God's face, it's just different than me seeking a person's face because he's a spirit being. I mean, let's just admit it, it's harder. It is more challenging. And so, to pursue an authentic conversational relationship with with God, a spirit being, it just can be awkward, especially at first, and especially for those of us who may have grown up in a religious tradition, like, like in my religious tradition. There were certain people who prayed like out loud, and when they prayed out loud, they used these words like I didn't even understand, and it was very intimidating. I was like, "Oh man, well I guess I'll never be able to pray like them, right?" Or some of us grew up in religious heritages that that where we learned memorized prayers, and you just said the words. It's like it like your heart never engaged. You just repeated the words ritualistically and didn't mean anything. I have found that. If we're going to become a people who see God's face, we have to think about prayer differently. And I found that there are two aspects of prayer that are critical to seeking God's face. There's the listening part of prayer, where we have to learn to listen to God, for God's voice. And then there's the speaking part of prayer. Meditation is the listening part of prayer. Throughout the scriptures, we are encouraged to be still and be silent and know that he is God. He's a spirit being, and I have found I cannot seek the face of a spirit being in busyness and loudness. Be still, be silent, and know that he is God. And that's a part of experiencing God's face. Now, meditation is not purely a Christian spiritual practice. There are other religions that have it, but all of them have four basic elements, there's four basic elements to uh, meditation. The first is to find a quiet place. So you have to find a quiet place, which means a quiet time and a quiet setting where you can be alone and be still, not be rushed, so you can see God's face. Second element is a comfortable posture. For some of you, it may be sitting. For some of you, it may be kneeling. And for others, like I have a friend of mine who likes to meditate by walking in a park. Third aspect of meditation is a focus on certain words, so when uh, you know that that can be a phrase, it can be a sentence. A focus on certain words that helps you like get your mind focused, and then the final part of it is a releasing of distracting thoughts and training your own mind not to get distracted. And so I meditate alone at breakfast. My habit's been to like whatever time everybody has to get up, I get up before them, and then I have my breakfast and I have my quiet time where I read a portion of scripture. And then I, I notice a word or a phrase or even a whole sentence that I think is significant. And then I just repeat that word or that phrase over and over. And I just say, God, help me understand. What, you, what does this mean? And what are you saying to me? What am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to respond? And I have found in those times of meditation that God begins to speak to me. And those words and those truths begin to impact my beliefs, my thoughts, and my feelings. Folks, You can change the way you feel. You can change the way you think if you will meditate and seek God's face. So I asked a friend of mine who practices meditation what advice she might have for someone who is just beginning. Maybe this is new to you. I said, well, what would you tell people who are just starting to learn how to meditate? And this is what she said. She said, set a timer on your phone and meditate five to 10 minutes a day And try to do it five days a week. Sit alone in complete silence and stillness, and that's gonna feel weird because we live in a world of constant movement and noise. And when you meditate, discipline yourself to take captive any distracting thoughts when your mind begins to wander. It's okay your mind is going to begin to wander because we're not used to really focusing on a spirit being for five to 10 minutes. It's okay. She says, you can retrain your mind to focus on seeking God, so don't give up. And what I have found in my own life is that as I retrain my mind to focus on the great spirit being who God is, the Father who loves us is our creator. He speaks to me. And it's not because I'm a pastor. He will speak to you. If you will seek his face, he will speak to you. He will give you impressions. He will give you words and pictures to guide you in life. And what I have found is through meditation, I can live with a sense of joy and peace that's unrelated to my circumstances. And that is the revived life. The second part of seeking God's face now is the speaking part. And we do that when we pray brutally honest prayers. Those are desperate prayers from your gut, not just from your brain. Now, there have been certain seasons in my life where I have faced frustrating failure, challenging crises, or disappointing circumstances. And at times, I've been surprised by the darkness in my own heart. And it's during those seasons when it felt like God was not There, or at least not near, that I have actually grown closer in my relationship with him if I prayed brutally honest prayers. Now, over a decade ago, I experienced a challenging crisis in my life, a disappointing circumstance. I discovered I was an angry man. I screamed at this little boy who was not my child. I made him cry. And he looked up at me and told me I was evil. And I knew in my heart that he was right. My actions and his words shocked me. I was so disappointed with myself. And I, I didn't even know why I was so angry. I became desperate. I mean, I'm a pastor, for goodness sakes. What is wrong with me? And Let me tell you. When I was trying to figure out why I was such an angry man, I didn't pray ritualistic, mamby-pamby, wimpy prayers. I was desperate. I prayed for my gut. I said, God, change my heart. Show me why I'm such an angry person. Change who I am. Now, I've learned a lot about praying prayers like that from King David from the Old Testament. And during one challenging season, I mean, you think you've got problems in your life? During this season in his life, he was literally running for his life. He had people trying to kill him. I mean, you think your boss is bad? (laughs) Imagine if people were trying to kill you. And he found refuge in a cave. And there in the darkness of that cave, he got brutally honest with God. He didn't try to put on a happy face and count his blessings and fake himself into peace. You know what I'm saying? He got brutally honest with God about how he felt. And one of the prayers that he wrote during his cave years is Psalm 22. And he prayed this prayer. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish. Look, all who see me, they mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads at me. Roaring lions that tear their prey open their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water on the ground. All of my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted within me. My God, I cry out by day, but you don't answer. By night, but I find no rest. Folks, that brutally honest prayer, it's in the Bible. And did you know that's the prayer Jesus prayed from the cross? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I think sometimes we we think that if we get brutally honest with God about our anger, our fears, our frustrations, even our frustrations with Him, that that it's like a sign we don't have faith that it's, you know, like like it's not nice to God. And I think it's the opposite. I think when we can get brutally honest with God about our fears, our anger, our frustrations, our disappointments, even our disappointment with him, they are the greatest expressions of faith we will ever make. And I think that's why God listens to them. And so I hope that today becomes a defining moment for us. I hope that we will be a people who choose to seek God's face, to position our lives to listen to Him, but also to speak to Him words and prayers of brutal honesty. Because if we will do that, He will hear, He will forgive, He will heal, He will revive us. And so I'm going to ask if you would stand with me, and we're going to lift up A brutally honest prayer I'm gonna ask you close your eyes for a moment what do you need to get brutally honest with God about today maybe you're desperate because of some situation with a loved one or your finances seek God's face maybe you're frustrated with yourself because of destructive decisions you have made and you're struggling seek God's face Maybe if you could be brutally honest, you're angry at God because of some injustice that you have suffered. Seek His face. Just right now, just you can just whisper your prayers. You can pray out loud, Lord God, we seek you today. I pray first of all, for, Lord, for those who, who don't know you yet, who have never put their trust in you. Maybe that's what it means for you to seek His face today. Maybe you've never expressed your faith in God and in His Son, Jesus Christ, and maybe today you would do that. Maybe you would pray this prayer. God, I know that you love me, and I know that I have sin in my life, and I want to be forgiven. And I ask you to forgive me of my sin because of what Jesus did for me. I ask you to make me your child and fill me with your Spirit. But maybe your brutally honest prayers about your marriage. Maybe things are, are hard. Maybe there's tension between you. Maybe there's division between you. Maybe there are hurts between you. Maybe you've wronged one another. Get brutally honest with God about your marriage. Oh, God. I pray that you would make our marriages one. I pray that you would unite us and make us one in your presence. I pray that whatever pains are here that you would heal. I pray wherever there is division that you would bring unity and peace in Jesus' name. And God, I pray for our families. Maybe the, the challenges with the child who has gone his own way or her own way. Oh God, we lift up our children to you and we ask you to bring peace and unity within our families. Maybe for you, The the struggle is a struggle with money. And God, I pray that you would bless those who are struggling in finances. I pray that you would stretch out your hand and I pray that you would heal their land. I pray that you would heal the area of their finances. Maybe there's someone here today and it's a physical problem. You're sick or you've got some kind of uh, injury or something that's going, some kind of pain. And that's what you're desperate about today. Seek his face and God said, if you will seek my face, I will heal your land. Lord God, I ask you, someone who's crying out to you right now about a healing, I ask that you would stretch out your hand and turn your face toward that person and heal his body, heal her body. Lord God, teach us more and more how to be a people who seek your face, who get comfortable being brutally honest with And above all, Lord, I pray over this congregation that you would revive us, that you would do your part as we seek your face. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.